While the world is quick to tell you all that it's against, Uptown Church wants you to know where for. We're for doing what's right and fixing what's wrong. We're for lifting up prayers and breaking down barriers. We're for the brightest, boldest, loneliest, finest, and most flawed among us. And most importantly, we're for you. Uptown Church. In the city. For the city. It is so good to be with you and celebrate Easter today. And as I was thinking about Easter this past week, a rather odd memory came to mind for me. I am the proud mother of two little boys who are now four and three. But last year, they were three and two at this time. And last year, around Easter time, my eldest son, who was three, came home and told me about how he watched the movie Monsters, Inc. You know, that cute Pixar movie with like fuzzy, cute little monsters. Well, he, he had seen it at school and my husband and I didn't get a choice in him watching it, but you know, we thought nothing of it. We probably would have shown it to him ourselves. It's a cute movie, not a big deal. So we thought. It was not a big deal until dinner time that night when we're all sitting around the dinner table and my son proceeds to go through the plot to that movie and give us a play-by-play -play of Monsters, Inc. And he starts in, hey, mom and dad, did you know there are these monsters and they live in the monster world? And some of them have one eyeball and some of them have a hundred eyeballs and some of them are fuzzy and some of them have tentacles. And do you know what they do? I'm like, I don't know if I wanna know. They come out at night and they come out of kids' closets and they scare them. At this point, I look over at my husband and we're both having this dreaded realization that a three-year-old and a 30-something might interpret that movie vastly different. As the horror begins to like settle into our, deep in our souls, he continues and he says, yeah, the monsters have to race each other um, to see how many kids they can scare. And if they scare the most kids, they get a prize, but the kids are really, really scared. And so they're loud and, and they jump out and they keep scaring them. And guess what, mom and dad? All of this happens at night after kids get in their beds and their mom and dads tuck them in. That's when the monsters come and we are just like, oh no. So we jump in and we're trying to distract our kid because I look over and I see my two-year-old and he can't really talk much at that time. So he's just nodding along and listening and his eyes are getting bigger and bigger. And you can see the water and puddles welling up in his eyes. So we jump in like good parents and we're like, hey, so let's talk about um, the spaghetti. Isn't it great? And look at the ceiling, it's flat. And uh, I mean, we're trying to say anything at the point at which I am about to just throw out, hey, do you want to know where babies come from? <laughs> just because I am that desperate to change this topic. My son says again, yeah those monsters come out at night when you can't see them. And that's when they get you in the dark. He pauses, we pause, 
And my two-year-old burst out into tears, bawling at the dining room table. Our older son begins to cry too because he realizes what he has just recounted to us. And all hell and chaos have broken loose in our home. That was the moment that fear of the dark was born in our household. We slept in our kids' room for a week. And let me just tell you, you have not lived until you have slept with one arm reaching for a toddler bed holding a hand and one foot propped up against a crib so the other one can hold your big toe. Do you remember when you first became afraid of the dark? Do you remember when your fear of the dark was first born? I, I don't recall exactly when I first came to be afraid of the dark. But every single one of us has had that experience. Every single one of us, it's one of the most innate fears of humanity is this fear of darkness. And we know it well. We think sometimes that we've outgrown it. You know, we're not four and two. We can distinguish between Pixar movies and know that there really aren't monsters in the closet, but we still know to fear the dark, don't we? In spirituality and in religion, we talk about this sort of darkness, not in terms of monsters jumping out of the closet or irrational fears, but we talk often about darkness being that evil in the world, that heartache in the world, those hardships and difficulties we experience that make us feel as if there's a cloud of darkness around us. And for many of us, that fear didn't go away with age, but is still a present reality in our lives. In fact, in spirituality and religion, we, we look at this fear in kind of two different ways. And like there's two levels of fear that there's this kind of moral darkness that we fear and comes into our world. And that's that darkness that's kind of without us. What we see in the world, when we see senseless acts of violence, we hear of assaults or mass shootings, or we read those news headlines again that just make our, our stomachs curl within us. The, the darkness around us that we can't really do anything about, but seizes our attention. And then we talk about this other sort of darkness that many of us feel, and this is a little bit more personal to us, the situational or the circumstantial darkness. And it may not be the same as moral darkness, even though at times it might be the consequence of actions, but it's the sorrow that we feel, the grief, sometimes the depression we battle and struggle against. It's the things in our life that that well up within us, that we, no matter what we do, no matter how we cope, can't seem to fully shove down. We can't seem to always break away from. It's the darkness that knows how to find us in the deepest recesses of our very self. And often when we find ourselves experiencing these darknesses once again, these darknesses that we think, oh, we have grown beyond, these darknesses we think we have the tools to cope beyond, we feel helpless. And we can often wonder, God, if you are there, 
If there is even a God in this vast universe, where are you and what are you doing? Don't you see and experience this darkness? And friends, I think God does see it. I think God sees every day the thousands of people in our city that go to bed on a street with no home, that God sees the people in our world, our city, our country, that go to bed hungry without enough to eat, that God sees us when we think no one else can see our lives and see our sadness. God sees us. And God's answer to the darkness in our world and the darkness within us is Easter. When God wanted to address the darkness in our world, the darkness that causes us to fear, Easter was God's answer. In fact, when we read the Easter story, and many of you in this room have read it and are familiar with it, we know that there are four accounts of Easter. Four different disciples and men tell the story of Jesus's resurrection, of that fateful morning that we just sung about that sealed the promise of God. And each of them tell the story pretty similarly. They all agree it was Sunday morning. They all agree it was morning, kind of at dawn at time. They all agree that the tomb was empty. But they tell the story slightly differently, just little tweaks with their own perspective. And I love the way that John tells it because he makes clear to us how God sees and engages with our darkness. This is what John says. On the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Peter and the other disciples saying, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started to run for the tomb and both of them were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And he saw the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. But Peter went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head and the cloths and the linen were still lying there but Jesus is not. John starts his story of Easter in a familiar way, but did you catch what he says at the beginning? He says, while it was still dark. While it was still dark. And what I love about that is John acknowledges that Easter for us begins in the dark. See, we come to services like this and we have lights and and all the pomp and the circumstance. For us, Easter starts with the celebration, with donuts and coffee and fun and Easter dresses and the Easter bunny and candy. But for the first disciples, for the first witnesses of Easter, it actually started in the darkness See, what is easy for us to forget because we're so distant from this time is that when Jesus died and his body was buried in a tomb, his disciples thought that was it. There was no hope of resurrection. There was no belief that there was anything that came after that. When Jesus died, their hope died with Jesus. 
and they felt all of the existential darkness that you and I can feel in our lives. There was uncertainty, there was isolation. We're told that they go into their homes and even bar the doors because they're afraid of themselves being arrested like Jesus and taken into captivity. Can you imagine what they're feeling? So when John tells us that Easter starts in the dark, he's not just saying it was early in the morning and the light had not just come up yet. He's saying Easter started in a place of emotional darkness a place of spiritual darkness, a place of no hope. And friends, it's the same for us. What if God does God's best work in the dark? What if God gets busy when all the lights are turned off? It's as as if John is letting us know something is going on here. Something potentially could be going on, but we don't know yet, but hold on. What Mary and the disciples are about to learn is that Easter may stay and start in this dark place, but it doesn't end there. See, as we read and John recounts, he says this, now Mary continued to stand outside the tomb. The other two disciples went back. They didn't know what to make of it. They're distraught and they go home. But as she wept, she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? And she says, they have taken my Lord away. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. She thought he was the gardener. And so she says to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and I will get him. There's so much darkness, so much pain she's feeling. She's right in front of Jesus and still can't see it. And then Jesus says to her and calls her name, Mary. And she turns towards him and cries out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And then she goes back. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, she told them. He's alive. He's resurrected. He's not in the tomb anymore. He did what he said he would do. And she told them all he had said to her. See, Easter starts in the dark for for them. And Easter starts in the dark for us. But as Mary realized, It doesn't stay there. It doesn't end there. In fact, what Mary realizes right at that moment and what John has told us many chapters before in his account is that Jesus is the light of the world and it shines in the darkness. In fact, John in his account at the very offset in the chapter one, he says this of who Jesus is. He goes on and he says, in the beginning was the word or Jesus and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things came into being through him. John is telling us that that Jesus is the light of the world and this light has come. And I love how he goes on and he says this, without him, not one thing came into existence. Not one thing in this world is sustained. And what has come into being in him was life and the life was the light of all people. 
and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Friends, Easter is God's answer to the darkness in our life. We can't outrun it. We can't outwork it. We can't self-help our way out of the darkness in our world, though we try. And though we tell ourselves often, though we are told that we can figure it all out, John reminds us in his Easter story, no, 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 no. There is a darkness present, but don't worry. God does God's best work in the dark. And though your life, though at times you may walk through the darkness, you will not get lost in the darkness. You will not be stuck there because of what happened in Easter, because of what Jesus did. The light is always, always breaking through. New life for us always starts in the dark. And I love this, whether it's a seed in the ground, a baby in the womb, or Jesus in the tomb, it starts in the dark. But it doesn't end there. Jesus came into our world to bring light into our darkness. He came to save us from ourselves, from all of the times and all of the ways we are tempted to give in and succumb to the darkness. Jesus has come to help us walk in the light and then to take that light into the world. He came to save us from the darkness that overwhelms us. And he said, the darkness doesn't get the final word on your life. And that is the hope of Easter. That's the hope of resurrection, that God came into the world and God kept his promises. Because how many of us know people come into our lives, sometimes even to help and to bring us hope, but they can't always keep their promises. But God came to us and God kept God's promises. God said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never abandon you. And even when the world goes darker and when your situations seem dimmer, I will keep showing up even to the point of death. And in the greatest reversal of all time, the greatest reversal of all time, Jesus overthrew death and said, not even the darkness of death that we so often fear can hold you down any longer. Imagine that. Imagine one of the things we fear most cannot hold us down because the light of Jesus has broken through. What if we lived our lives today thinking that we were not headed towards our destruction or our demise or our death, but if we had this imagination that we were always moving toward resurrection? What if we walked out of here today and believed even in our darkest moments that endings may come? but that God is always in it, producing new life and new beginnings. And what feels like the end or what feels like the worst thing in our life is never the last thing because of Jesus. Friends, we can as Christians say that the best is yet to come, that our good days are always in front of us, not because we diminish the past or we diminish the situations around us, but because we know light is always waiting for us on the other side. 
because there is always hope on the other side of anything we go to, that our whole trajectory for life is running towards the triumphant victory of Jesus Christ. One of my favorite authors, Rachel Held Evans says it this way. She says, Easter declares that God is in the business of bringing dead things back to life. So if you want in on God's business, you better prepare to follow God to all the rock bottom, scorched earth, dead on arrival corners of this world, including those places in your own heart, because that's where God works. That's where God does his best work. The forgotten, lost places we don't believe are capable of saving. Easter reminds us that there is no ladder of holiness to climb, no self-improvement plan to follow, that it is just death and resurrection over and over again, day after day, as God reaches down from the depths and rests us from our pride, rests us from our fear, rests us from our apathy, and breathes into us again new life, new potential, new hope. Friends, most days, I will admit, most days I do not know which is harder to believe. That after three days, God reanimated a man and he came back to life. Or that God still insists on raising back to life all of the things I am insistent on killing in this world or all of the things that I believe are dead. Wherever you are today and whatever's going on in your life, whether you are experiencing joy and celebration or you are struggling and wrestling with that darkness, know this. The worst things in your life are not the end of the story because of Jesus. This day matters because it changed everything. It all, it gave us all a new potential all of the time that no matter what's going on tomorrow morning, you can wake up and have a new start and new life. Now friends, I'll admit, honestly, we get that wrong sometimes as a community in the church. This is our message, this is our hope, but sometimes we still live in the dark. We still act out of our fear as much as we try to be people of hope and resurrection. We're messy, we're human. And and that's true of us here at Uptown. We believe this and we struggle every day, even on our best days to get it right. But what keeps us going in the mess is knowing that we are chasing resurrection and God is still making it possible. No matter what we do to mess it up, God still shows up in the broken places and begins to do what only God could do. May it not be just true of this community, but may it be true of you and your life and our city. In the name of Jesus, who died for our sins and on that third day rose again and proclaimed death and fear and darkness has no hold on you. Thanks for listening today. Want to connect with Uptown Church? 
visit UptownChurchDallas.org or follow us on Instagram. And be sure to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. for in-person worship at House of Blues in Dallas. God is with you. God is for you. Go in peace.